0: Ready, man. I'm ready. (laughs) Man, this is Daniel is is going to be so much fun, you guys. Uh, Get ready, buckle up. Here we go again. But uh, hey, before we get into it, uh, let me say my name is Shad Wickstrom. I'm the lead pastor here at Pursuit Church. Man, what a a joy and a privilege I feel like uh, I have to. to be a pastor here at Pursuit Church. I want to say uh, welcome for those of you who are guests with us this morning. Uh, We're glad that you're here. Also want to say hi to everybody watching online. Again, we know people are watching online a lot these days. But we have plenty of space. Uh, We look forward to seeing you in person very soon. Uh, hopefully get to meet you if you've been watching and you haven't had a chance to come and connect with us. We'd love to see you, especially next week. It's going to be an amazing Sunday next Sunday, Baptism Sunday. And uh, if you've never been baptized, I just want to encourage you. I'd love to meet with you briefly after the service to talk about that. If you've already told me you're interested, please see me at the, the back of the church before you leave so I can make sure that you're all set and ready to roll. My friends, we are in the second week of our series, Endgame, the second part of Daniel. Uh, first part being his story, his narrative, and the second part gets really weird and very bizarre. And uh, last week was no exception to that, right? This bizarro dream Daniel has, and then God shares with him what it is. We're in the same kind of place this week. Daniel is going to receive this bizarro dream, and then he's going to be given an understanding. But this, to me, in my mind, is one of the most exciting things about the Bible that we're going to dig into today. So I'm, I'm looking looking forward to sharing that with you, but let's just review what, what this series is about. Let's get our, our mind in the place of understanding what is it that we're really trying to accomplish in in-game this series. But what it is about, what it's about is the ultimate end of all things, and what God revealed to Daniel about the future. So we're going to be in Daniel chapter eight. We're answering questions like What is God's plan for sin, salvation, and the redemption of creation? Those are the answers that were being given here by Daniel in these revelations. And the rest of the story of Daniel, we're seeing God's answer ultimately to the problem of evil and how that problem is going to be solved. Anytime we begin to look into apocalyptic, is what it's called, apocalyptic, futuristic, prophetic literature or scripture, we're seeing God's answer given to us about the problem of evil and suffering. So this is absolutely critical. And we're also learning what does it mean For us to live as people who maintain hope and a way of life that says Jesus is king. Would you just turn to your neighbor and say Jesus is king? King. Now let's do it one more time like you believe it. If you do, Jesus Jesus is king. My friends, that is the truth. And when you live under that truth, you are living the life God created you to live. But when you're outside of that, you're meandering and wandering and kind of groping in the dark trying to understand life. Until you live as Jesus is truly the King of the kings, you will not be living life. So as we begin this morning, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been surprised? Anybody had a surprise birthday party? Raise your hand if you've got somebody and they got you. They got you. Say keep your hand up high and say, they got me. They got me. Yep. That's a good thing, right? You walk into something and all of a sudden you're like, ah! Well, just to begin what we're we're gonna talk about today, through the opposition, I want you to watch this video clip just for fun as we begin this morning. I love funniest videos. Surprise <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> I love that stuff. <laughs> oh my God <laughs> Got her? Oh. (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) Oh my goodness, poor little doggy here. Oh, oh, surprise. Oh, I just love that stuff. I'm sorry. I just had to lighten the moment, because we're going to get deep and heavy in a minute. I got to tell you a story. One time, we were on this camping trip. And uh, Julie's going to hate me for sharing this, but it's okay. She's there, and I'm here. Um, So we're were out. I think we're in Yellowstone is where we were. We were camping on a family camping trip, and... um, I was out, I think I was at the bathroom, and she had to move the van. And I snuck up behind the van, and she was getting ready to pull backward. And I just kind of quietly creeped up the side of the van, and I just kind of stood there right at her window, and she hadn't seen me yet. And finally, I kind of knocked the window, and she rips over. She's like, "Ah!" and she's like clawing like a cat at me, trying to figure out what is going on. It was was one of the best gets I've ever gotten. My kids, if you ever wonder what's wrong with them, they have a dad who loves to do that kind of stuff. Pull the surprise where it's like, Ah, would you turn to your neighbor just really quick and, and give them the surprise look like ah, do that real quick, give them that surprise. You're surprised. You know what? Here, let me say this. My friends, God is never surprised. God is never surprised. You need to know that. You need to understand that truth, especially in light of all that is going on. God is never surprised. One of the joys I think he has is watching humanity surprise each other in fun ways, not in the way that we've been surprised in this last year. But those moments when you get somebody and it's like... you got him and it was it was great god is never surprised we're just emerging from christmas a time of surprises there was a lady who was preparing christmas cookies um, and there was a knock at the door and she opened the door to a man who looked like he was probably in need and he asked her. Ma'am, I'm, I'm just trying to get some extra money to to do some stuff for my family. Is there any odd jobs that I could do for you? And she said, well, yeah, as a matter of fact, I've got a couple cans of green paint and a paintbrush out back. If you'd love to, if you'd go back out there and paint the porch for me, I would gladly pay you for what the job's worth. So she went on and, and continued making her cookies and finally Uh, a a knock came at the door a little while later and the man was done and she said well did you finish the job yes he said and did you do a good job and she said he said yes but he said there was one thing ma'am I'd like to point out to you that's not a Porsche back there that's a Mercedes Did you guys get that you'll get that later painted the portions anyway okay we'll move on I, it was a good effort but hey you're with me this morning stay in light because here we get here we get going how many of you this last year have felt surprised by all that's going on in the world it feels like we're in one perpetual state of surprise like oh my goodness what is this global pandemic I'm I'm shocked Oh my goodness, what is this social unrest? It's, it's all over the place. I'm, what, what is happening? We're surprised by the level, level of, of controversy in the political environment. We're surprised by the global pandemic. We're surprised that it's still going on a year plus later. Some of us have been surprised about the election outcome. We've been in this, again, state of perpetual surprise. But my friends, God is not surprised. God is not in shock. Again, endgame, why this is important to us, if we don't keep that endgame in mind as we find ourselves caught in that state of surprise or shock. If we don't keep the end game in mind and return to an eternal perspective, when we find ourselves consumed with the events of the day, we're gonna be hopeless. This series again is about searching for hope. Those who are searching for hope will find it when they look in the right place. And you need to know that God has written the rest of the story and it is good. Everything sad is coming untrue. My friends, everything sad is coming untrue. Let's pray as we dig into the Bible. God, we ask for your your wisdom and your insight as we dig into your word this morning, as we again think about life a little more deeply and try to understand our place in this time in human history. God, we can't do that without your revelation in our lives, without your insight, without your presence in our life. So we ask you by your grace this morning to grant us a greater awareness, as we sung about, a greater awareness of your presence, and open our hearts and minds to your word, to your truth this morning as we study Daniel 8. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Again, Daniel chapter 8, if you're not already there. We are uh, in the second half of Daniel, We're, here we go, all right, buckle up, here we go. This is going to get fun here. <laughs> Before I do, before I get into the, the chapter, let me point out the key verse. Daniel chapter eight verse 27, it says this, "I, Daniel, was worn out, I lay exhausted for several days, then I got up and went about the king's business. I was appalled by the vision. it was beyond my understanding. We're going to come back to that, but that's the key verse I want to point out to you today to kind of grab onto. beginning in verse 1 of chapter 8 though here we go I, in the third year of king belshazzar's reign I Daniel had a vision after the one that had already appeared to me In my vision I saw myself in the citadel of Susa in the province of Elam in the vision I was beside the Ulai canal I looked up and there was before me a ram with two horns standing beside the canal and the horns were long one of the horns was longer than the other horn but the other one, but grew up later. And I watched the ram as it charged toward the west and the north and the south. No animal could stand against it and none could rescue, be rescued from its power. It did as it pleased and it became great. And I was thinking, as I was thinking about this, suddenly a goat with a prominent horn between its eyes came from the west, crossing the whole earth without touching the ground so we've got floating goats now. And it came toward the two-horned ram, and, it's, it, and I'd seen beside the canal, and charged it in a great rage. I saw it attack the ram, furiously striking the ram and shattering its two horns. The ram was powerless to stand against it. The goat knocked it to the ground and trampled on it, and none could rescue the ram from its power. The goat became very great. But at the height of its power, the large horn was broken off, and in its place, four, four, four prominent horns grew up toward the four winds of heaven. Out of one of them came another horn, which started small, but grew in power to the south and to the east and toward the beautiful land. It grew until it reached the host of heavens, and it threw some of the starry hosts down to the earth and trampled on them. It set itself up as a great and the great commander of the army of the Lord. It took away the daily sacrifice from the Lord and his sanctuary was thrown down. And because of the rebellion, the Lord's people and the daily sacrifice were given over to it. It prospered in everything it did and the truth was thrown to the ground. Then, then I heard a holy one speak or speaking. And another holy one said to him, how long will it take for the vision to be fulfilled? The vision concerning the daily sacrifice, the rebellion that causes desolation, the surrender of the sanctuary, and the trampling underfoot of the Lord's people. And he said to me, it will take 2,300 evenings and mornings, and then the sanctuary will be consecrated." So an interesting, bizarre dream, right? Again, how does it measure up to your dream last night? (laughs) Very strange. So Daniel's seeing all this before him, and he has no idea what he's seeing. Back to verse 27, again, the key verse. I want you to notice what Daniel does after he experiences this, because I want us to, to land here again. He was worn out and he laid exhausted for several days, understandably so. I got up and then went about the king's business. Hold on to that. We're going to come back to that again. He got up and he went about the king's business. The main idea of the message this morning is this. Get engaged and stay engaged in God's plan. Get engaged and stay engaged in God's plan. That is the the way that... Believers find their way through all that's going on. Get engaged and stay engaged. Now, I want to just take a minute. Acknowledge this, this is a weird vi- vision. You know, in, in a couple of minutes, we're going to read the interpretation, which will give us a little bit more meaning, the one that Gabriel gave to Daniel. Daniel didn't understand the interpretation, but we have the benefit of looking back on history And the interpretation, my friends, has amazing and eerie similarities to historical record of what has actually happened in human history, whether you look at it from a Christian perspective or a secular perspective. There is no denying the history that unfolded following this dream. And I want to point out what we know from history And say this in your notes, God, again, is not surprised by anything past, present, or future. God doesn't have this expression, you got me. It's not in his repertoire. He is not surprised. But let's look at the, we're going to do a little history lesson here. Stay with me. I'm not going to stay there long, because I did not like history class. But this is important. This is important stuff for you to know that will build your faith. Let's look at the Persian Empire, which was established just before 558 B.C., just a little bit before it. The Persian Empire looked like this. All that green area was the Persian Empire in 558 B.C. Daniel's vision came during the Babylonian Empire, which was overwhelmed by the Persians in 539 B.C. You can study this in history. It is factual. It actually happened. Daniel was in the palace when the Persians came and he was interpreting to the king the handwriting on the wall who he, who he, which he denied in pride and that very night his life was demanded of him and the Persians took over and Daniel was there when it happened. That was 558 BC. Let's look at the Greek Empire in 336 BC just a few hundred years later. Alexander the Great invaded Persia which had been taken over by... or that Persia had taken over from Babylon then the Persians ruled then the Greek empire conquered Persia in 334 BC and we see that they then ruled in 336 that entire territory it's a map you can look up you can study the history for yourself Alexander annexed that entire empire and he governed it for nearly a decade before he died and it was a sudden death unpredictable he was was 33 years old when it happened And it was, he died of unknown causes. And then the Greek empire was divided into four territories. Does that sound familiar? Should from the vision that we just read, but it was kind of cryptic. We're going to get back to it. But it was divided into four territories under under Alexander in that time after he died, or rather after he died, not during his death. Judea was then in Seleucid territory, and then King Seleucus, Philippotter, was assassinated. And Antiochus, Epiphanes, seized power, and then he went on a rampage, conquering territories. And we see this uh, reign of Antiochus, Epiphanes, that next slide area, the next one, he goes on uh, a campaigns. And conquers other territory. But something interesting happens around 169 BC. And we read about this in a history book, The Apocryphal, which is not a canon of scripture, but is referred to as a, a reliable historical record in Maccabees, 2nd Maccabees, this event that happened under Atiachus Epiphanes is described and it said this: when these happenings were reported to the king, an uprising he thought Judea was in revolt. Raging like a wild animal, he set out from Egypt and took Jerusalem by a storm. He ordered his soldiers to cut down without mercy those whom he met, or they met, and slay those who took refuge in their houses. Again, it goes on, there was a massacre of young and old, a killing of women and children, a slaughter of virgins and infants, In the space of three days, mind you, in the space of three days, 80,000 people lost their lives, 40,000 met violent deaths, and the same number were sold into slavery. In that raid by Antiochus, he looted the temple, the Jerusalem temple, and installed worship of Zeus, a false god. He then sacrificed an unclean pig on the altar, which was considered an abomination that caused desecration. Shortly after that, a group of Jews continued or or resurged the the revolt led by Judas Maccabas, and they rebelled. And after a war that lasted three and a half years, they took back Jerusalem and they rededicated the temple. And in 165 B.C., There was the first celebration of Hanukkah, which is still celebrated to this day. My friends, we just looked at historical record in that region at that time. Now let's read Daniel's interpretation of the dream in verses 15 through 27 says this, while Daniel was watching the vision and trying to understand it, there before me stood one who looked like a man, and I heard a man's voice from the Uli calling, Gabriel, tell this man what the meaning of the vision is. So here we go. Here's the meaning of the vision, the, the rams and the goats and all that weird stuff that was going on with the horns and all this. Here's the meaning right here. As he came near the place where I was standing, I was terrified. I fell prostrate. Son of man, he said to me, understand that the vision concerns the time of the end. While he was speaking to me, I was in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. Then he touched me and raised me to my feet. And he said, I'm going to tell you what will happen in the time of wrath. Because the vision concerns the appointed time of the end. The two-horned ram that you saw represents the kings of media and Persia. Persia. The shaggy goat is the king of Greece, and the large horn between his eyes is the first king. The four horns that replace the one that was broken off represent the four kingdoms that will emerge from his nation, but will not have the same power. In the latter part of the reign, when the rebels have become completely wicked, a fierce-looking king, a master of intrigue, will arise. He will become very strong, but not by his own power." he will cause astounding devastation he will succeed in whatever he does he will destroy those who are mighty the holy people he will cause deceit to prosper he will consider himself superior when they feel secure he will destroy many and take his stand against the prince of princes that he will be destroyed not by human power The vision of the evenings and mornings that has been given to you is true, but seal up the vision, for it concerns the distant future. And I, Daniel, I, Daniel, was worn out. I lay exhausted for several days. Then I got up and went about the king's business. I was appalled by my vision. It was beyond my understanding. My friends, everything fits into the history that unfolded following that several hundred years later. The four parts of the Greek empire, the arrogance and cruelty of Antiochus, and the the desecration of all that was holy. It was so accurate that some people looking back, reading this narrative, thought that it had been written after the fact. But there is no evidence of that whatsoever. And my friends, I would say to you in your notes only God can tell the future and bring it to pass he is omniscient our God is all-knowing he's not surprised with all that's happening Isaiah 46 tells us this, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand. I will do all that I please. From the east I summon a bird of prey. From a far off land, a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said, that I will bring about. What I have planned, that what I I will do. Listen to me, you stubborn hearted, you are now far from Righteousness. My friends, one of the greatest reasons to believe that this Bible is true is because of the prophetic literature, that which we just looked at. This book, this vision was given to Daniel hundreds of years before it happened. And it was fulfilled exactly as God said it would be. Nothing is a surprise to God. Nothing is beyond his control. Political movements do not surprise him. They will not overwhelm his plan. They will not thwart him. There are wars and rumors of war. There will be disasters. There will be economic downturns. Do not buy the lie that somehow God is not in charge or allowing or even purposing these things to happen. He is still in control. No religion, no cultural influence, no threat to human decency will leave God scrambling to respond to what is happening. He knows, he is not surprised. Nothing is spinning out of control. No person, power or movement is taking over God's plan or purpose. So what, let me return to the main idea What do I do with this? What do I, what do I do? How do I respond to all that's happening around me and to the knowledge that God is in charge? My friends, you get engaged and stay engaged in God's plan. What is the reasonable response for such a time as this? Let's look to Daniel's example. How now then shall we live? Number one, in your notes, Look for understanding in the right place. Based on his previous experiences, Daniel immediately recognized this vision was from God. So he went right to the source. And even though we don't know exactly how he responded, he was overwhelmed, he stayed in bed, we know in his life he continually pursued God through prayer. And I'm sure and I'm confident that's what he was doing in this case. He was in prayer before God. Look at verse 15 again. While I, Daniel, was watching the vision and trying to understand. He didn't just hear the information. He sought to try to understand it. Maybe what's most insightful for us to consider is what Daniel didn't do here. We know that Babylon was famous for wise men. It had had one of the best libraries of wisdom available to him. He could have gone to that area, and they probably had a whole self-help section. I'm sure they did. We do today, right? We want to help ourselves. We can go to to Barnes & Noble, and there's any topic for whatever we need to do. He could have gone to other religious leaders. We know this was a a culture that embraced a, a, a multitude of gods. He could have gone to any of those other religious people. He didn't have to completely rely upon any of these singular sources or his own sources. He could use them all to supplement what he already knew about God, right? Certainly there wouldn't be any harm in doing that, right? Wrong, (laughs) wrong, seeking those other places. Daniel understood from a very young age the danger of compromise, right? We learned in the first part of Daniel, when he had the opportunity to eat food that was against what he believed was good for his body and what God wanted him to eat, he refused. He knew that even a compromise that small would have have led him into other places. He refused the king's food. Later under the reign of the Medes, he refused to follow the king's edict not to pray to God and he continued to pray because he knew even a compromise like that would leave him outside of God's plan and God's purpose. So he continued seeking understanding in the right place. My friends, James gives us this wisdom or this encouragement around wisdom. If you lack wisdom, if you lack wisdom, you should ask Your neighbor what you shouldn't ask your neighbor okay you should go to Barnes & Noble and find the top book on the topic that you're really seeking wisdom in right what there's a Bible there would be a Bible there as long as it's the Bible that's fair what does it say you should ask whom God God is not distant and disconnected. He is personal. He cares about your situation, how you should respond. I don't know exactly how you should respond. I could point you to scripture that would guide you. God knows exactly how you should respond in your situation. And he encourages us to ask him because he gives generously to all without finding fault. And he promises it will be given. My friends, it's easy today with the rise of modern information flow and 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 all the media that's out there, even to just the smallest degree, compromise seeking wisdom in other places. We're surrounded by the bombardment of information and accessibility. If we're not careful, we'll gradually replace God's word inch by inch as our standard with something else for our standard of understanding, which leads us to our second takeaway this morning we must take God's word seriously when Gabriel came to bring the interpretation of the vision Daniel was frightened and what did he do he fell on his face prostrate I'm, I'm pretty sure he was taking that very seriously he was taking the word of God seriously it's similar to John's reaction the vision that he was given in the book of Revelation Revelation 22, we see John on his face before the angel had spoken to him about the meaning of his vision. My friends, we we cannot lose our regard and our reverence for the word of God, especially now. 2 Timothy gives us this guidance about the Bible. All scripture is god breathing? and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. My friends, God's word is a complete picture of what he wants for your life. Whether it's in your marriage or in your finances or in your parenting or in your work life, God has wisdom and answers for your situation. And I wonder this morning, do you really believe that this book is the word of God? Do you believe that it has the answers for life? If you do, there are implications for that, aren't there? There are implications believing that this is God's word. The third thing I want to encourage you with we see in Daniel's life is to live on mission. We've talked about that since I became the pastor here at Pursuit. The way that Pursuit Church moves forward, no matter what's going on, no matter who's in charge of our government, no matter what difficulty we may be facing, we are going to choose to live on mission to get and stay engaged in God's plan. We do have a mission and a purpose, and that has not changed. And it does not pertain to earthly kingdoms. Did you hear that? God's mission does not pertain to earthly kingdoms. God is not redeeming culture. He is not redeeming the earth. He is redeeming people. He's redeeming lives. He's redeeming marriages that is the kingdom of God on earth. Look at Daniel's response. I love it. That's why this was the verse I wanted to land on. Verse 27. Hi, Daniel was worn out. You feel worn out over this last year a little bit? All that we're seeing unfold. I was like, come on. I do want to lay down in bed for a couple days. Anybody else with me? I just want to lay down and sleep for a while. And he did, and that's okay. Rest is good. God made you to rest, so please rest when you must. But look what he does in response to it. I love this. It says, I got up and I went about the king's business. I love that. I love that. That picture for us. Although he was perplexed and and became even physically ill as a result of what he saw, he got right back to the task God had given him, serving an earthly king who was... Worshiping a false god was leading a nation astray, even. Daniel got up and served his purpose in that time. Even though it was clear to Daniel that that king he served, Belshazzar, was going to remain, not re- going to remain in power for long, he was faithful to keep on serving God right there where he was planted, right where God had placed him. He was living on mission, living for another kingdom in his current place in history. My friends, you were made to live in this time in history for such a time as this. God was not surprised. oh, oh look at this over there oh my goodness look at that there's a pandemic no what that's not that's not the God of this universe he is not surprised God has given us a mission on this earth and until Jesus returns that's what we're to be about we're to be about our Kings business living where we're planted Serving those who are in charge of us, even if they are adulterous and and idolatrous. Not compromising, not not eating the king's food, not rejecting when God says to pray, to pray. Those are things we will not bow to. We will not sin against our God. But we will honorably go about the king's business while we're here on earth. Matthew 28 Jesus came to them and he said this all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me there's no authority above him all authority has been given to Jesus and he says this to those who take following him seriously go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold and behold, and behold, I am with you until the very end of the age. Don't give in to the enemy's lies and in invitation to disengage because the way you thought things were going to go didn't go that way. You have another kingdom to live for. And there's great joy in it. There is great joy in letting go of the things of this world. Let them do what they must. Now, again, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying, don't stand up for what is right. I'm not saying that. But don't let that rob you from doing what God has called you to do in living on mission, pointing people to Jesus. Taking innocent life is wrong. It will never be right ever. That voice should always be heard. God will not be mocked. The judgment day is coming. Meanwhile, we have to watch some very broken things happen. Some very painful things happen. But we have our king's business. So we get engaged and we stay engaged in God's plan. We abide with Jesus. We abide in his word. We abide with his people and we stay the course. We stay engaged. So what's your next step this morning as we think about this? What do you need to do in response to that? How is God speaking to you? Let me ask you a question. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, who is your one that you're praying for? Who is your one in your family, your neighborhood, your workplace that you're praying for that we know that maybe only you could reach that person? God's still growing his kingdom. His church is still being built. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Just wanna challenge you. If you follow Jesus, he has a purpose and that is to use you in bringing others into his family. Who are you praying for? If you've never given your life to Jesus, you need to know some truth from the Bible. Romans 3.23 says this, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Goes on in Romans chapter 6 to say, the wages of that sin of falling short of God's perfect standard is death, spiritual, mental, physical, emotional death, separation for, for eternity from God in the place the Bible calls hell. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ. Christ took your sin upon himself so that you could be in eternity and you could live on mission and get engaged in God's plan to redeem mankind until he comes again. Your response, Romans 10? If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with with your heart you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth you profess your faith and are saved. Next week, we have a great first step for those of you who are seeking and and you've never been baptized. I'm excited because next week is going to be awesome. We get to celebrate with at least... Three or four people right now that i'm aware of them taking that step of going public with their faith in jesus right over here there's going to be a water filled what do we call it sort of a pool tub thing and you're going to get to be dunked and profess your faith publicly to others and i'm excited for those of you who have already said i'm in but i want to invite you if you've not given your life to christ and you're ready to cross that line today let me lead you in a prayer of response. And next week, you can join some other folks who are going to be baptized. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this gift that you've given us of a pause today. Even over this last year, it's been a pause, a, a one long, year-long pause. At times, it's, it's super frustrating, and we're... we're we're overwhelmed we're discouraged there are moments and we acknowledge those God to you but there are also gifts that we can now begin to see in it that it's caused us to get out of our routines out of our normals and and be very uncomfortable and that is a gift God I believe from you to allow us to look at our lives examine how we're living and make the choice and the decision to get and stay engaged in your mission no matter what's going on in this world. And we thank you for that gift. Right now, if you've not given your life to Jesus, I wanna just lead you in a prayer. You can pray these right where you're sitting to God. Again, these are words just to encourage you to express what's going on in your heart. Pray them in the way that comes from your heart and God knows that. But you might pray something like this, Jesus, I know I'm sinful and I know my sin cost you your life. My good works, I know, could never measure up and exceed the bad things that I've done. I need your forgiveness in my life. I believe you died for my sins, Jesus. And I wanna turn away from them right now. I trust you to be my Lord and my Savior my leader and with your help I will follow you the rest of my life in the friendship and fellowship of your church with every head bowed every eye closed if, if you chose to pray that today and you want to acknowledge that and let me pray for you I want to just give you a moment put your hand up in the air let me know I'd love to continue to pray for you. Is there anybody here today in person who prayed that prayer for the first time? Anybody? Thank you. Anybody else? friends, this is an exciting time. God is at work. He is on the move. We get to be a part of that. Let me pray for us as believers. God, would you help us to get and stay engaged in your plans and your purpose in this world? God, we celebrate with this person today who chose to cross that line of faith and make you the Lord and leader of their life. We ask you to Be with them in this journey. Help us to be faithful, to encourage them along the way. Pray for a hunger for your word, a hunger for your people, and a hunger to walk in the truth. God, may we be people who choose to live on mission in our generation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.